0: The Right Siriki Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated sportsbook app and use promo code RTRS. And brought to you by Adam Kasebi, the official realtor of The Process. Selling you homes at the Delaware beaches. Get at them at processrealtor.com. And, of course, our friends at Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code DaveSilver. On the show today, big win versus the Celtics with our MVP in waiting, Joel Embiid just fucking dominating once again nice win even when the other team makes all their shots it's amazing when that happens as well we've got a mailbag full of dakota Mathias theories ben simmons and draymond green comparisons and a very important question who do we think is the smelliest player in the nba before we before we get going you can see why i wanted to get to the mailbag mike Uh, Before we get going, a new Carl Landry Record Club podcast out this week. Mutlu and I talked to Daniel Hart, who is the voice behind the band Dark Rooms, but also has done tons of movie scores, including for the movie A Ghost Story, Old Man and the Gun, um, and the podcast S-Town. If you ever listened to S-Town, Daniel Hart did all the music. Super brilliant guy. So search your favorite podcast app for Carl Landry Record Club. And remember, if you're watching this on YouTube, you should be subscribed. Smash that subscribe button. Don't just watch it. Smash it. Let's get to 4,000 uh, YouTube subscriptions and make our video producer, CJ, very proud of us. Subscribe. Without any further ado, Amos in the show. Daddy. Say the name, say the name We were right, y'all, we were right Even when it went wrong, we were right Welcome to the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Gaskin, along with a guy who only runs like Danny Green when he's eaten something very spicy. That is Mike Levin.
1: <sighs> I love beating the Celtics. It's nice. I love beating the Celtics. It's nice. The uh, president is a Sixers fan. The Sixers are the number one seed in the East, and we beat the Celtics. It's just generally, I mean, the vibes are infecting the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the Sixers vibes are running rampant uncontrolled uh it was a good game even though even without Tatum it's still great to beat the Celtics even Mm -hmm. when they as you said hit every single one of their shots yeah Um, Marcus Smart throwing up whatever the hell he wants and it goes in um very
0: thankful for um Kimball Walker minute restriction tonight watching him in the first half I was glad that he was they kept him to to 20 minutes because they somehow I think 28 minutes of him or eight more minutes than whatever he played might yeah. might have killed us. But
1: I don't think the Sixers. I mean, they, they gave up bu- a bunch of a bunch of points uh, until they hunkered down in the fourth. But I don't, I don't think they played aside from a couple possessions bad defense. Uh, I think Boston just hit tough shots. They hit they hit a bunch of jumpers, especially in the early in the first half. Marcus Smart throwing stuff up, um, but then uh, a bunch of really nice defensive plays late. Uh, holding Boston to 17 points in the fourth quarter, whether it was the Embiid uh, it was a a pick and roll for Jalen he turns the corner on Tobias and then Embiid steps up and has to both cover Jalen's drive and Tice on the lob behind him and he like jumps with Jalen, doesn't foul and then Jalen tries to like throw a little bounce pass underneath and Embiid like gets as low as possibly can and tips that away and it goes the other way. It's just like He's so impressive, and obviously at 42 and 10 tonight, shot 12 of 19 from the field, 17 of 21 from the line. He's he's the MVP right now um, S- but if, because would, of what he does on both ends, and it's just, it's, it is, there's not enough, we can't say enough about how good he is defensively. You just, you really just can't.
0: Yeah, he somehow was a quiet 42 and 10. Almost. It really was. Yeah. It really was. It, like, I, I think there was a point that, Sixers Adam tweeted in the third quarter about how many points he had and maybe it was 33 or something at that point and I was surprised at so many it was so many that it was his his defense I've had a couple of people mention to me and I think we'd all agree that athletically explosively he he is not as springy as he was in the first season that he was and I've had people mention to me that he doesn't look as impressive defensively. And I think it's because his, he's not blocking shots in the same way and he's not sort of leaping at it in the same way, but his understanding of what the other team is going to do and where he needs to to put himself to prevent them from doing it. Sometimes to just not make them try at all is fantastic. Like he is a, he's the best defensive player in the league. I I think you know I, Gobert is good but I, Embiid I, can do more I think defensively and from his difference in athleticism and and how he can cover the the play that you just mentioned he's just I, he's sort of like a brilliant defensive player now in in addition to just being physically imposing uh, and being good at the basics of defense I think he's he's come a long way defensively actually
1: yeah I mean I think I don't know that. The center position defensively is just so much more important than all the other positions. So I would say he's the, certainly the most impactful defensive player in the mm-hmm. league is how I would look at it. Um, I think you could, make, you could make the case for a bunch of other more wing-type defenders that can switch all over the place. But, yeah, yeah when, he's, when he's this good, it's... it's I mean, they're... With, with Joel Embiid and no other changes the rest of the year, now that you know, it'll be nice to have Seth back. Without Seth on this team, they're, they're a, little less, a, a little less shooting, a little less dynamic. Um, because if he's really the him and Shake are the only two guys that you really trust a little bit, Tobias to like create, and I guess Embiid. Maybe there's too many guys that they, that you trust to create, but like the idea of he he can attack closeouts and distribute a little bit, and he shoots eighty percent on wide open threes, which is really nice. And so, just it, they're with with Embiid and the shooting around him, uh, they're a, they're a they're a contender. Like they they can do it, and it's it's really nice. To be Boston, I mean, like the they haven't had many good wins this year. As far as like, the, the, it's been a light schedule. Well, this is their um,
0: first. I think this is their first win against a team that has a winning record and a positive point differential. I think it, uh, it feels it feels
1: right. It's I, been a I, weird
0: season, and there's going to be
1: you know, there's teams that are currently struggling now that are going to be good, and vice versa, and stuff. But yeah, uh, this was a good win. This was a, this was a necessary win, and, and for it to happen on on a time when. Boston is hitting their shots. It feels especially good. Um, I, it just feels so nice. Like Embiid, Embiid got better. Like we need to talk about that. I don't think that you know when it's a national game. I don't think that they necessarily they're not seeing every single game of his. And so, it it is very very evident if you've watched every game this season that Joel Embiid has improved as a basketball player significantly over last season. Yeah. Both both his conditioning, uh, his willingness to pass from the post, which as he said is is also attributed to the personnel out there. He's happy to pass. Now he is, uh, you know, Boston especially is the team that, like, is so willing to double him kind of recklessly because they think that he won't be able to pass out of it. And now he is. Like, he is able to pass out of it. And this time he's anticipating the double. He's, like, begging the double to come. Um, And it becomes a, okay, there that is. Uh, kick out, swing, swing, shake corner three. And then there's the one, the one play later on in the game that was here comes a double. Let me, let me step it out, turn and face, cross court pass to Danny Green, bend screens for him, open three in the corner. It's, it's just like he is, he's just really good. And especially when he's hitting threes, uh, he, he they only gave him one tonight. I think one is his foot was on the line for another. His three yeah. looks really, really very solid. Um, they, they keep going to him late in the game in a, uh, you know, like here's you have the ball in the middle of the court, like at the nail, be the point guard, operate, do whatever you want. Um and they and that caused that forced Boston to like go to zone, which is which was cool. Uh to force them to be like, hey, we can't we just straight up can't cover him. Um and Boston just doesn't have anybody to cover him. And like Tristan Thompson, I, I don't think stands a chance. I, I like Daniel Tice a lot. He had a nice game, he does nice things, but he he's just not he's not big enough. He's just can't, yeah, too he can't small. handle it. Um and it's just
0: it's really, it's very cool. He's great. <laughs> he well, should he's be the MVP. He's he's probably he's the difference between him this year and previous to this year is probably about fifteen percent. But it's the most important fifteen percent. You know, it's the, um, and and you can just there's we mentioned it before, but on offense there's certainly a calm to his game and a decisiveness to his game yeah. that. He knows exactly what he wants to do when he gets the ball. And you know, he's, his shot, his three looks great, but he's always been, his shots always look nice. I just think he doesn't think about it as much. He just knows when he gets the ball at the three point line, he knows whether he's gonna shoot it or not. And in previous years, it looked like he thought about it sometimes and he just doesn't think about it. He either knows whether he's gonna shoot it or not. And I think it's made a, a big difference. You know? yeah. He's still, yeah, he'll
1: still hit you with that pump fake a little bit that takes a month and a half, and guys will bite on it and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, he's right now, I mean, 42 and 10 in 33 minutes, plus 15-point differential. He, you know, it doesn't, you know, dwight, Dwight's dwight been nice behind him. You know, obviously attacking the offensive rebound. Dwight had six offensive rebounds tonight. Like, D- Dwight does some things. He's sort of very, at this point in his career, a typical backup center. But there's not it doesn't matter who's behind Embiid he, is, he yeah. is so good that when he's not on the court they are going to struggle like they're going they're going to struggle anything less than the bottom falling out is a success uh, so they just gotta like hang on and if they play even uh, which they did at some points tonight and then didn't at some points tonight uh, without him on the court it's just I mean it's I remember it's, it's worth remembering that there were times when we didn't know that he would ever play uh, and he missed the first two seasons of his career and then he came out and he was great and he got hurt again and then he was good and then there was like, last year was tough, like there's, there's been struggles with this guy and, and you know he's obviously gone through a ton of stuff personally and a million things and it's just really nice to see him seemingly very happy playing taking care of his body, playing really well and leading the Sixers to the best record in the East and it's just it's,
0: it's, it's great what a, what a really nice thing let's appreciate the nice thing and i i i I, th- I think it does I think not having a crowd is helping him. I just I think it keeps him sort of focused on what he's doing. i it almost i I know he he thrived off of it before, but I think he depended on it too much. And I think this not playing with fans is is actually good for him this year i I really do. I think it's it's helpful for him. Uh, i I do think there's times obviously where they you know when it's not Embiid or shake melton they are it can be painful to watch them try to score sometimes you know when joel doesn't have it going and that's that's going to be they're going to need to lean on defense and lean on you know they were lucky that boston not lucky but boston fouled so much you know simmons ended up at the line 10 times and i don't even know how many of those were actually fouls on him shooting the ball uh, same with the same with Embiid. so that that will be important you know the the free throw line i think will be important in the playoffs because yeah, they'll go I through think those bo- spells I
1: think, I think both those guys put pressure on the rim um i think there were a couple times simmons attacked he was seven to ten from the line that's nice to see he's shooting currently shooting the best free throw percentage of his career which has gone up each season um definitely doesn't look fully right, fully healthy, whatever whatever it is. But like I thought this was as far as a if if you're looking for a Ben is the jack of all trades type of guy, this was a good this was a good Ben game. Um attacked, got to the line, passed well. That oh my God. That bounce pass
0: to Quorkmaz for the reverse dunk. Come on. Well I don't look Come I don't on. want to take away any of Quarkmoz's shine on that. Come on. Dunk. That's Quark dunk. Don't give it yeah. to him. Oh no, of that's course. Good. But that's a beautiful oh, okay. pass, and All it was right.
1: a, it was a, and it was a gorgeous reverse dunk. That was in a game, looking, looking a, like I mean, in a re, in a intense game. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, with a guy dra- draped on him.
0: Yes, it looking was, like he's
1: wearing the Darth Vader mask, playing his, in, in European air quality.
0: True or false? The two most, the, the two most cocksure, self confident players on the Sixers are Shake Milton and Furkan Korkmaz.
1: Like, that's probably right.
0: Yeah. I don't think it's close. I yeah. think that's
1: right. There was also, I don't know if you noticed this, and I have no idea what he could have said, but towards the end of the game after a timeout, Korkmaz was not on the court. It was like with like a minute or two left in the game. Mm-hmm. Korkmaz runs up to Embiid as Embiid's coming back onto the court and like whispers something in his ear. And Embiid was like, Yeah, yeah, I got it. Like and I was like, <laughs> I love Korkmaz just like, hey, I I'm noticing something and I'm gonna go tell him. It's like well, good for you, like being an integral part of this team. He's at this point one of the longest tenured Sixers. Yeah. Which is odd to say. Um, but yeah. I, I do. And it was good to see him back. He obviously didn't play that well. He's, you know, he's working back. He had a nice three. He had a nice um, run. A nice little he, run. He played in He that. played fine. He was totally yeah. fine. But it, it definitely you could tell there was some rust and he looks kind of slow. Um, but it's good to see him back. And it's, it's he's, he adds a fun, fun, funky dynamic to, to this team.
0: Yeah, he's. I mean, he's whispering to Embiid because he's got those Euro basketball smarts. All those That's dudes right. know the game better than that other. And he's yeah, on. He's one of two Sixers to have ever requested a trade in their career, <laughs> and it's Dwight Howard and Furkan Korkmaz. So pretty uh, good. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah I mean, other other Ben stuff. I mean, I think that there was there was the Ramona Shelburne uh, a couple of news pieces. The Ramona Shelburne report on Pablo Torre's uh, podcast, um, ESPN Daily, that. Embiid was like happy that Simmons didn't get traded. Obviously, who knows spin, whatever. But you know, yeah. Ramona noting uh, Ben and Joel having chemistry, and I think that shows up on the court. I, I think that they are like they are. F- they have a better feel for each other than they than they had in previous years. Um, they keep running that snug little pick and roll on, on the on the low block. Um, ben had that little inlet to to Joel with the with the smaller guy on him when they got the switch. Like, there's a bunch of a bunch of nice things. There is the and then there and then there's Doc talking about. Uh, getting Ben the ball in post-ups more, which I don't know that I agree with. Uh, I don't think it's a a great... It's it's wrong. Wait, wait,
0: wait, hold on. I don't want to let him off the hook. Not only did he say he wanted Ben in post-ups, he said he wanted Ben in post-ups while Joel was also in the post. Yeah,
1: that's an odd choice. That's an odd choice. (laughs) I like the symmetry as far as, like, if you're sort of trying to set up a gallery wall in your apartment, and you're like, we like having these things here, and it's just visually stimulating. I get that. I don't know that it's great for basketball, no. um, so I will yeah. see how that goes. Something to monitor, but uh, I did think, yeah, I don't know what's going on with Simmons. Too much. He's, he's had multiple offensive fouls in like many games in a row. It feels like
0: which he doesn't is, look like, right, I, man. He doesn't he look doesn't right. Look I think right. I
1: think Doc is like telling him to be aggressive, and he's taking that to heart. And I think he is going to the rim and stuff. It's a lot of times, still going to the rim, not with the intention of scoring. Um, so another another kind of just weird offensive game from him. But I I mean, a huge play, a bunch of huge plays defensively. Um, I I still think that, you know, we 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 don't have to do it every every five. Nah, no, I, I don't. I do even, think like let's, let's he's just it. he's just like helpful when when he's there and guys are and shooters are around and Simmons gets to be like jack of all trades, just like passing the ball and running out in transition and finding guys and and dinging up and just pushing the pace and stuff. I think it's just it is a as a like full holistic team, things feel right and sometimes it looks weird, but I think I think I don't think yeah.
0: I, like, think, I think I think what the Simmons thing comes down to is if you if you plop down on Earth and saw it and somebody told you what he did and what he could do, you would be like, "Oh, that's a good guy to have on the team." I sure. think I think the the thing that that changes it sometimes is the context of yeah. everything else. Is oh, that's he right. was this guy, you expected this, and and all that, and that's what makes it very difficult to have any sort of like. Normal, reasonable discussion about him, because all of that stuff it matters mm-hmm. you know, and it also doesn't matter sometimes, but right. you know so so that's the you, and, you, it, and the factors of like okay they kept they kept Ben over Jimmy basically, like if you right. think about that there's just been there's been a lot
1: of things in there and, and it's is he like a is he a primary initiator, no is he ever going to be probably not, but like I think he's helpful to winning, and I think that the the team is better when he's there. I thought that when he's sad, he had foul trouble Tobias. Zobáez played well and then kind of disappeared for a few quarters and then uh, he took over a little bit when when Ben was out with foul trouble and I thought that was nice. Um, It was generally, yeah, it was like in a game where, you know, sometimes the Embiid games when when Embiid scores like 40 plus or whatever, it looks like, please give him the ball, no one else can do anything. And this Mm -hmm. didn't feel like one of those games to me. Like I thought enough guys played well and moved the ball and like shot confidently and didn't look like helpless. Even though they only shot nine of twenty-seven from three, um, I thought it was generally like a good, just a, a good team win. Uh, Shake is, I'll just keep the best player in the league. Uh, all of his shots are layups, um, unless they're threes. No, I mean like a three. Oh, layup. they all go like in. It's just it's automatic. Right. Like he's yeah. not missing. Um, it's beautiful. One of my favorite plays of the game was the uh, Matisse poking it out from Peyton Pritchard. Uh, a little Pac-12 rivalry there, in Pacific Northwest. And then kicks it out to shake uh, in transition, and shake a little euro step into a finger roll, just like it's fun. It's fun when the young guys are playing well, and when they're running, it it's just they're good. They're good. They're they're a contending basketball team, and uh, with 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 moves to spare. So I, f- I feel
0: I feel very optimistic on on today of all days. So Mike, the good news was the game tonight. The bad news. Do you want to guess what the bad news was? Uh, you lost eight hundred more dollars. I lost fifteen more dollars on my Ben Simmons bet. It's so attractive at plus eight hundred on DraftKings. So plus eight hundred, my fifteen dollar bet wins me one hundred thirty-five bucks. And I just, when I make the bet, it's usually you know five six hours before the game. I'm always feeling it, and then, you know, <laughs> I don't get it. So, in the hole there, I thank DraftKings for for giving me that excitement every time. I do love the roller coaster of wondering whether it's going to happen. I watch to see if he's going to run to the corner. If he runs to the co- there was actually a point in the last 2 minutes of the game where I'm like it's a big Ben 3 that's going to seal it and that's going to be the first time I win the bet. But alas, I do I love that you've never won the bet. I now <laughs> I'm rooting against him to shoot. <laughs> well, I do I do think I say should I not announce when I'm making the bet because if there's a chance that he may find out. He could do it to spite me. <laughs> that is uh, <laughs> making it about yourself. I think is a yeah is a good call <laughs> for sure. Uh, look. All different sorts of bets on DraftKings Sportsbook. That's why it's the only sportsbook that we online sportsbook that we use. Uh, you do it at home, you bet in-game, you bet before the game, you bet futures, all that kind of stuff, and it's easy. Uh, it's the best sportsbook app. That's why it's the top-rated sportsbook app. UFC, big UFC fight this weekend. The biggest... UFC fighter of all time. And DraftKings Sportsbook is the official betting partner of the UFC. You can turn $1 into $257. That's right. You bet a dollar on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round. And if he wins, you win $257. So it's 257 to one odds on a $1 bet for McGregor to get a first round knockout. There's McGregor coming back at UFC. There is uh championship football this weekend who do you have do you have kansas city or buffalo and then do you have tampa or um uh uh or green bay who do you got all of them
1: <laughs> me personally is I'm that about, a bet? i'm about i'm about unity and i don't want to pick any any winners oh we're all, we're all winners even in sports even in sports? okay, it. There's too much. There's too much divisiveness in, in wins and losses.
0: Okay. Uh, that's, that's fair. T- make it like soccer. Uh, well, you can bet if you'd like to. Those games as well. DraftKings, safe, secure, reliable. You deposit, it's in there. You withdraw, it's in there. The app is easy to use. Download it right now. The app. Use promo code RTRS. And when you sign up, you can turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first round knockout. Place your bet. Watch the fists fly this weekend. That seems divisive, but they're doing it in sport. They're doing it together. Let's go to RTRS for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first round knockout for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The, I, I mentioned during the game, Shake Milton Seems like I might be with you in him not starting, even though I I really think he's been the second best player on the team so far this year. Only because watching and, and obviously he and Maxi are at different stages of development; and they have different skill sets. But but watching Maxi on this, in the starting lineup really struggle to find his place because he can't. It, it's not his job to just go. And when Milton comes in, in that second unit, it's kind of his job just to go. And it almost gets him warmed up for the, the fourth quarter of the game. And I, I, I definitely saw that today. I was like, where's Maxie, almost, e- even though he started the game? So I think Milton is like that. And I do enjoy the fact that Milton does seem to believe that the best matchup on the floor at all times is, is Milton and whoever is guarding Milton. Like, like he, he wants the ball, and like when he passes it away, he's asking for it back. He's, he's very six-manny right now in a really yeah. good way. So and he
1: Really, when he comes in, he is, I'm getting four
0: straight shot attempts. <laughs> like, yes. I
1: am doing it. I'm looking, it's just looking at, okay, so 2018 draft, Shake, Shake goes 54. In a mm-hmm. redraft, where does Shake go? Well, I would have to Probably. look at it. I'm looking at it right now. So, but yeah. let's say behind Luca and Trey and Jaron, um, and probably Shea gildas
0: Alexander. Yeah. And probably probably Mikael Bridges. But I think Whoa. that that could change. Probably Colin Sexton at this point. Yeah, probably Colin Sexton. Probably. Maybe. Remember, probably. he was picked 54th. We can yeah. be fair about this. He, he probably, probably gets Aiton. taken. So let's say Ayton, Ait- Doncic,
1: Jaron, Trey, Sexton, Bridges, Porter, Shea. J- Porter Jr. I would not. I would I not, and it's not even close. But, <laughs> to me, it's not even close. Spike. To me, it's not even close. On on this podcast, on other podcasts, they can say Michael Board Jr. On sure. this podcast, it's not even close. Shake okay. Milton. Uh, I mean, you could argue Kevin Herter. Yeah, I like Josh but probably not yet. Uh, he's you pick you pick Shake over Shamit. Um, let's see, Jalen Brunson, I like, but you pick Shake over him. Devonte Graham played nice last year, but not not as playing as well this year, so that could be a toss up. You pick him um, over DiVincenzo, but DiVincenzo looks
0: yeah. good every time I see him. Now. A,
1: it's a good draft. I, I mean, I yeah. love this draft class. This was a fun. danthony Melton, I love, but like, shakes a lottery pick in this in this draft class for sure. In like in probably around like, ten eleven right now. Did you mention and, and, Devontae
0: Graham? You mentioned Devontae yeah, Graham. Yeah, and room and room to grow
1: and yep. room to grow. I think uh, I think we'll see where where guys where guys end up, but it's uh, what a nice. He's the best best player in the league.
0: Can we? Uh, do you have any? Can we move to mailbag or do you want to?
1: No, I just like being okay. in the Celtics. We're ten and five. Yep. In in a, in a weird ass season, things will change, but positivity. I'm vi- I'm vibes.
0: I'm only vibes now. I like doing the show with you after wins. Truly, I, especially Boston, man. Come I, on. Yeah, I mean, boy, does it swing from one side to the other with you, buddy. But I, I'll take I'll take after a win, after a Boston win, Mike, over after a Boston loss, Mike, any, any day, day of the week. Yeah. Any day. Before we get to the mailbag, our Apple podcast five-star review of the week is brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding. That's right. They, so they have these awesome sweatpants that I, I have a pair of the camo ones with their 87 Kinetic logo thing. And they put out a version, a women's version of the sweatpants. I was like, oh, that's cool. Went on sale this weekend. For some reason, when Kinetic does the women on sale, it's on sale at noon. But when it's the men on sale, it's midnight, just to fucking screw me. I'm convinced of it. But Kinetic, I'm telling you, skateboards, snowboards, if that's your thing, that's your place. But all the other stuff, all the clothes, all the shoes, uh, the winter gear, the uh, the beanies, all that stuff, KineticSkateboarding.com, use promo code uh, Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. Okay.
1: Those, those women's sweatpants are cool.
0: They are. They are. Um, I wear the men's ones all the time. Like perfect thickness, perfect... Softness. I, I wear them every weekend. Uh, the we're up to two thousand eight hundred thirty-seven. Oh, and one other kinetic note: we have a hundred official Rockets podcast T-shirts that we never got to do anything with because as soon as I ordered them, the Rockets lost in the playoffs. I'm gonna give them to kinetic. We're gonna sell them for like seven bucks, all for charity. There's like a hundred of them, so keep on the lookout for that. They're cool looking shirts. Um, we're at 2000- two
1: thousand. I was going to say I bet Daryl would wear one, but at this point after they they petty snubbed him
0: of James Harden, maybe he wouldn't. So I sent him one in the bubble because I I showed him what we did and I sent him one. But by the time it got there, he was gone. (laughs) And <laughs> that's what happened. It was very quick, but he was gone very quickly from a bubble. So uh, we're at 2,837 Apple podcast, uh, five-star ratings, where we get to 3,000. I read all of the reviews. This review comes from the Jaleel Okafor of podcasts. Um, the subject line is, I'll never listen to the 3,000 review podcast. He says, he or she says, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one who remembers that Spike had a Power Man 5,000 drop for Dwayne Dedman now if you'll remember early when i used to do the show from the radio station i could play audio and there's a power man 5000 song called turn me on mr dead man and i think every time we talked about dwayne deadman i would play a clip of that song i don't even remember it this guy does so the mailbag is writes to ricky sanchez at gmail.com writes to ricky sanchez at gmail.com send us a basketball question and a non-basketball question. This one comes from Eli. There's been a lot of talk about Ben this season and how he needs to be more aggressive in terms of scoring and a lot of annoyance at his not even looking at the rim sometimes. At the same time, I think people, I think Spike included, have been begging for him to rethink his identity as a player to be more like Draymond Green than LeBron James. I never really said that, but I think we would all agree that that's um, something. Doesn't this kind of set him up for failure? If he tries to play like LeBron, he'll inevitably fail. If he plays like Draymond, people will complain that he's too passive and needs to score more. The Sixers have enough perimeter juice this year, at least to get by with him, in the Draymond role for the regular season. If Simmons shifted even more towards Draymond's style of play, would you be happy? We'd still be a high-level scorer short, but we'd be able to maximize creation while he's on the floor. Apologies if I'm strawmanning. Um but I like I I mentioned I shot him back an email. The Draymond comparison is a weird one. I think it's similar in that they're both do everything defense better than offense first players. The big difference with Draymond is that he plays at their peak was playing with one of the three best guards of all time and the two best shooting guards of all time. And Draymond is also able to play center. And Draymond was sort of like the emotional dirty work leader of the team. Um, Those are a lot of things that are different about this situation than that situation. Though I do think if Ben was like, fuck it, I'm going to be a dirty work, do everything guy. I think he could be really good at that. I just don't know if that's what he wants. What's your opinion? It's
1: hard to compare Draymond, a very unique player, Mm -hmm. with Simmons, a very unique player. Um, I see how you get there a little bit, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think the Warriors are such an, those Warriors were such an interesting team because it was just like, you know, a couple fulcrums, you know, without Durant, it was like, here are guys that kind of stand there and screen and then re-screen and then run around. And there's just like, defenses are just flying at these two shooters that are the two, two of the best shooters of all time.
0: And even um, Harrison Barnes on that team like played such a perfect role on that team, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And just like being left wide open <laughs> and, and able to hit corner threes. Uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, so it's a little bit tough there. Ben I think does those kinds of things. I think he he like Draymond is more like added like, brings attitude to it and stuff yeah. and brings like a like a grunt work to it. Ben is simultaneously like physical and um, you know commanding, while also being a little finesse around the rim and stuff, um, and so it's it's a it's a mix there. I, I think I think Ben is he does the things he does, and I think sometimes you'll you'll get get the ball in his hands and let him attack downhill and let him do driving kick stuff, and sometimes he's screening for people, and sometimes he's operating from the post. Those are all kinds of things that Draymond does, especially when he was at his athletic peak. Um, but I think that without like Steph and Clay mm-hmm. and that kind of offense around him, it's it's harder to say what that is. Like in an Embiid offense, Draymond Green would not be doing those same things. It's just a, it's just a different. The floor looks different,
0: and and he would he would not have been seen as. As good a player on, on those teams, you know, because he yeah. wouldn't have the opportunity to do those things. So yeah. I, I think it comes down to a few different things. I think ultimately, the, and it's the thing that we don't know, is what, what Ben Simmons wants, you know, like what, what kind of player does he want to be? Is he unhappy being that sort of player is he is he unhappy that he's you know he's averaging fewer shots than he ever has i have i don't think anybody has any idea well so So. tonight they
1: they i think doc sort of changed the i don't know if it was because of foul trouble or what but it it, i think doc changed it up a little bit tonight so that he let ben run with the bench more um Mm. and i think kept tobias and joel together more in that Mm. in that respect to sort of see if he can uh, give Ben a little bit more responsibility so that he would do stuff. He only took five shots, but um, I do think that he was, like, more aggressive and hunting it. I don't know that... I just don't know what a what an offense where, hey, Ben got 18, 20 shots up tonight. I don't know what that looks like because yeah. he doesn't, you know, maybe maybe in that circumstance what he one three. Maybe yeah. in that circumstance he drives and does a couple, like, floaters and has, like, maybe, like, two or three little baby hook shots and, and those kinds of things. He's just not... The way that he shoots the ball is off. There's no shots that for him that are comfortable. There's not like a that he has this. Um, maybe he will get that. I doubt. I, I've I've conditioned myself to not believe players will suddenly develop new skills until until they do. Although. And it's Bede's more likely they the just post. disappear. It's more yes, likely one. It usually they had goes just... the other way. I think. Yeah. Which is fun. <laughs> um, and Embiid's passing from the post, and, and Tobias being a more willing shooter and, and quick decision maker has improved. So mm-hmm. there, there's that. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what an offense where where Ben takes that many shots is I, If if I looked at maybe if we watched a game of his as a rookie or. Um, or even a couple in the second season maybe it'd be like oh this looks so much different but to, from now it looks like he's just the defenses have just adjusted to him more it seems like he's he's not doing different stuff he's not like I mean he doesn't look as, as explosive he doesn't look as uh, um, I mean he's he it, it's you go back and forth I think like when he's in, when he's injured I think a little bit he, he is a little bit more tentative there's been more like Drive to the center of the court and then stop type of thing. As a rookie, he did take more of those like little six to ten feet type shots, but he's kind of cut those out. So I don't I don't know. I, I I'd be interested to see if Ben's like if Ben gave a if if we ever do like a long form Ben Simmons ESPN the magazine whatever it is type featurette about is it like what does he want? What is his ideal offense? Like what is he? He's obviously supremely talented, but like limited in some ways like what is in ben simmons perfect world where he gets to pick everybody around him and, and the offense what is and everything
0: it? what does it look like i don't know i and and the final thing i'll say and it was it's hard because when you look at a bunch of highlights but i saw on twitter like a highlight package of him from his rookie year where he was just sort of like dribbling into fade away 15 footers and those aren't great shots, but it did look like he was more willing to do those things then. And I know the people that are huge fans of him will be will say like, well, that's an inefficient shot and he doesn't take inefficient shots. But there's something, there is something different there and I don't know, I don't know what it is. So, um, his non-basketball question, now onto the good stuff. What makes a sandwich a sandwich? Is a hot dog a sandwich? What about a bread bowl, a quesadilla? What is your overall definition? Of I feel a
1: like this, I feel like this is a very 2016, 17 question, and I think that it should be banned from the podcast. Sandwich wow. question, sandwich questions entirely. I think we need to, we need to move on.
0: Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. Moving on. I I once did a, I think a 15 minute interview on Penn State radio about whether a hot dog was a sandwich or not, and that's where it ended. It <laughs> yeah, died. It the did. conversation died
1: right there in yep. in, in Happy
0: Valley. Mike, there's uh, there's a few good things about owning a home or owning a vacation home. First of all, it's an investment. I mean, I've rented. You're renting right now, right? When, you're, when you rent, the money just goes to somebody else. But when you uh, are paying a mortgage, you're really just putting the money into the home and you own that. So it's already your money. And then if you own it for a while, it goes up in value. That's one good thing about real estate. And that's One of the reasons Adam Kasabi, who is the official realtor of the process, can help you. Another reason, and he specializes in Delaware Beach real estate, is you have your vacation home. So that's another rent that you won't be paying, right? You normally have to rent, if you go down the shore for a week, you have to pay $2,500 to rent it for the week. You won't because you have your house down the shore at the Delaware beaches. And then the final good thing is that when you're not at that Delaware Beach house, you're renting it to somebody else, so they're paying your mortgage for you. I mean, come on. He's the official realtor of the process. Adam Casebi has been with us for over a year now, um, and he has helped people buy homes in the Delaware beaches, he's helped people buy homes in PA, in New Jersey, he can't sell them to you in PA or New Jersey, but he can lead you in the right direction to the right realtor to the right place. And for refinancing, like he helped me with, he can help you interest rates are all time lows. So, um, you know, there are people right now who have mortgage rates are 4%, 5%. Even if yours, mine was at 3.65, I I think, and I I, uh, refinanced and lowered it. Kasebi is your guy. I'm telling you, now more than ever, a house down the Delaware beaches away from everybody else. Um, two No, not 215. 302-864-8643. 302-864-8643. That is Adam's number. You can call him or text him. I'm telling you, no other realtors, or even if you want to refinance. Or you can email him, adam at processrealtor.com. Kasebe is spelled K-S-E-B-E, but I gave you all the information you needed before that. Uh, adam Kasebe, the official realtor of The Process. This one comes from Gillies. Uh, hey guys, I'll be as sure as I possibly can. Me and my friend have had a heated debate around Shake Milton. I think bragging about Shake's deal for the next three years is dumb. I get it looks good on paper, but I think Shake will either get that contract renegotiated or get a big contract extension. I understand it's not common to get a contract renegotiated in the NBA, but I think Shake is a unique case. Uh, I would like to hear your guys' opinion on whether Shake will play out this deal for the next three seasons. Yes. Uh, Also, he says, my friend is a complete hypocrite if he thought Jason Peters was right to refuse to switch to left tackle before making a few more bucks after $111 million in career earnings. But he thinks if Shake sat out for a new deal, it would be dumb. Um, That doesn't happen in the NBA, right? I can't think of that ever. (laughs) I love the idea that Shake is too good to possibly play for that salary, but he's he's going to.
1: I think that that's funny. I also think that uh, I thought he was gonna say Shake might like get wind of people saying his deal is too, too good, and that might sort of encourage him, as if like <laughs> Shake is lis- listening to, to us to be like, how much money should I be making? Um, <laughs> Maybe they're right. And if he was listening to us already, he he would be going to Tobias to ask for ten million dollars. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I'm sure Sixers Adam has the answer of when of when a new deal can be negotiated for Shake but I would try to do it as soon as possible, as soon as you yeah. could, um, so that he there there isn't doesn't get to be some level of like bitterness and stuff there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think well, I've never heard of a like he signed the contract, so he's gonna play. <laughs> he, he's gonna play the contract. It's not like it was a. They didn't, it, this he was didn't not the contract them. that they, that they drafted. It wasn't like, oh, you got me on a Hinky special, even. They drafted him, they signed him to a two way, and then immediately gave him a four year deal. And now, and then the first thing that happened after that four year deal was he went to Summer League and sucked and missed, like, he shot, I forget what it was. I was, I was, that was, was me, being a, me being a journalist uh, for a couple of days every, what used to be a couple of days every year. Um, but like he didn't even address the media afterwards because he was so upset at himself with how he played, and I remember us talking, and I was like, "Is that four-year deal like really good?" And it's like, "Yes," and it's right. And so Shake, I think, has, to, I think he knows, like, well, now I, if I had waited or if I had signed like a two-year deal, then I'd be able to cash in instead of the the bigger one. But well, I think at that point he was just happy to be getting paid long-term money to be in the NBA.
0: To be clear, his contract goes this season and then two more seasons. Yeah. So 21-22 and then 22-23. So I'm I would not, say, like, whatever, like, is it's not going to be renegotiated this season. Not a chance. But, like, no, but midway through next season or something, can you already yes. do that? So if it's if it's like... I'm not a super CBA nerd guy. I, I think that... No offense to... I don't mean nerd in a bad way. I just mean I don't super study it. But if, it, if it's like the... Covington one I believe what they can do is next season they can give him an extension past the final season and put more money into the last season of the deal like so they can spread they could give him like a three-year extension but spread the money out over four years I think that's what they could do now I don't know if that's only if the last year is not guaranteed or, or whatever but I yeah. think that's what it is. I would
1: very quickly if if willing I would very quickly next year be like hey we'll tack on like Three years and fifty million to this, and get and spread that out.
0: Like that sounds great.
1: That sounds excellent because he's going to keep getting better.
0: Fourth just got three years and fifty million. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, This comes from Joe. Starts with the non-basketball question: Is ice cream the greatest dessert? What do you think? I
1: think it depends. It's a lot of. It makes my stomach hurt, so I think that yeah. that factors in. Mm-hmm. Um, although there's there's
0: dairy-free Non-di- options that I like yeah. a, couple, a couple of them. Um, oh, and I would say I don't know how many you've tried. I would tell you that I because I don't do dairy anymore. The the oat one yeah. is the best one. I I'm think. a big I'm a big oat milk guy. Yeah. Um,
1: I think I don't think you can blanket say ice cream because there's so many variations within that. And so I think like some ice cream could be categorized at that and then others is like there's a very specific type of you know some sort of like cake with a little I like a hot I like a hot and a cold. And if you can do a hot and mm. a cold yeah. like a like a fudge like a hot fudge little brownie situation with like a cold dollop of ice cream on top oh, then come on. that's yeah. unbeatable.
0: Or brownie or how about the the like the Three quarter cooked giant hot cookie chocolate chip cookie with the ice on. cream on top of yeah, it. Come on, that. what are we talking? I I th- I actually think it is. I do. It's one of the things that I miss now that I'm vegan is the regular ice cream. There's I think Little Baby's ice cream in Philly closed. I don't know if it closed again. That was the best ice cream I've ever had. Um, I think ice cream is if we're just talking ice cream or cake or pie. Or, you know, just your standard desserts. I think of those, I would say that ice cream is the best. I'm a big pie person. I really love it. Oh, pie. really? Yeah. What's your fav- favorite flavor? you like a uh, rhubarb?
1: I like I like all sorts of berry. I also like mm-hmm. a pumpkin. Love to mm-hmm. sort of switch it up with a key lime. Um, there's a... I'm a very... not Not apple. I like apple, but I think it's very clearly worse than many of the other, like, cherry, blueberry, pumpkin, those
0: kinds of things. I like all kinds of pies except key lime and lemon meringue. I just... I don't want pudding in my pie. I just... Give me... Throw up some fruit in there, you know? Um, His basketball question. Are you more concerned about the Nets or the Pacers? For me, it's the Pacers. Uh, Brogdon Sabonis and now Levert, hoping he comes back, um, instead of Oladipo that supposedly didn't want to be there. I believe the Nets will struggle with Harden, especially if Kyrie returns to the fold. Um, What I mean... I'm petrified of the Pacers in the playoffs, but I still would be more scared of the Nets.
1: I think both teams are good. I mean, yeah. I think the Nets are figuring things out. They lost to the Cleveland tonight. Um, Kyrie is back, so I think that they're going to work through stuff. I think they're they're obviously three supremely talented players. Um, I think they're probably... I've, I've, Kyrie's such so, such an interesting case. He does so many good things off the court, and then just also insane things off the court, and then on the court yeah. he's bad. I feel very conflicted about Kyrie, but oh, Harden, don't be Harden is but Harden is incredible, and uh, and Durant's obviously incredible. Um, so I think that in a playoff scenario, the Nets I'm still more scared of. But Pacers are good, man. I've always liked Brogdon, except for the Rookie of the Year robbery. Uh, Sabonis mm-hmm. rules. Miles Turner is hurt now, but was playing really well. They got Jeremy Lamb back in the fold. We'll see about Levert. Like it's, it's just they have you know TJ, who's good for one playoff game to win mm-hmm. it single-handedly. Uh, Seventeen holiday Bro- holiday brothers in there. Like they're a good team. They're like a good team, and they're they're not. They're they have there's enough like. For a while, they had a bunch of like B players, and now they have like a enough like B plus A minus players that even though there's still not like one guy that you're scared of in the Harden or Durant type of way, they're still just really good. And they seem to be well-coached. They seem to like playing with each other. And I think Oladipo was kind of like a weird cloud yeah. over the franchise for a little bit. And so I think I, th- I think the Pacers could absolutely w- win a round or two for sure.
0: Yeah, and I, I think Levert, if he comes back, is a good fit for them. I think they need a guy who will just, you know, try to go off occasionally. Yeah. The and difference is, ta- sorry, the, the yeah.
1: Nets can't cover Embiid. They can't. I think no. I I mean, he beats he crushes Miles Turner. Is Sabonis and not Turner, but Sabonis is good enough, and at least gives a different a physicality and a different kind of look that uh, that he can a little bit more. But DeAndre Jordan can't hang with Embiid. They trade away Jared Allen, who had some level of success sometimes. Um, So I think that
0: that'll be it'll be a very if it's a Sixers Nets series, that'll be a very Embiid series. Well. Can, I'll say this well first of all about the Pacers they will beat the shit out of somebody I, I don't know if they'll win a, like how many they'll win but a seven game series about the Pacers you will be You will feel that yeah, that's sure. what I would say and Sabonis so is He's not straight A in the way that Durant or Harden is but he is A minus like that yeah. dude is not really good He's really good I'm, I'm still not buying mm-hmm. that DeAndre Jordan doesn't have like a series in him in the playoffs no, he doesn't I, I don't know he might he was never that
1: smart of a defender he just got by on just big and athleticism and, and he's not fast, yeah. and he's not that anymore I mean he's obviously still big but he's, I, I, if if you could say hey do you want to have DeAndre Jordan or Dwight Howard I, I might say Dwight like I might I think it's pretty close and Dwight Howard starting center DeAndre Jordan starting center it's just different and I think that I think that there's I think that the, they inherited a little bit of LeBron disease, which is the like bring your friends. I heard, yeah, I'm friends with this guy, or I heard of him. I, <laughs> I've heard of him for a while, um, and so bring bring that guy in. Uh, I don't know. I, I I I don't think he's very. He's not, and he's definitely not good. But I think that, I think that all his, all his like just being big enough. There's just it's it's a more. There's there's some it's more methodical. There's more like. A, Men- yeah. mental aspect to being a center that I just you watch him and you're just like you're just in the wrong position
0: yeah I just think he could and we'll see because it, you know Embiid's always had tr- had trouble with guys who can match him physically you know and DeAndre Jordan is massive and I was just I watched the first game with Harden and Durant and what what I'll say is this it's somewhere in the middle obviously DeAndre Jordan is not decrepit, and he can move. I think, and I just I wonder if when the playoff comes around, he can't be what he was, but he can be more. He can be enough. That that would be my my question about him. You know, um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the the you know the Warriors won with uh, Bogut at center, sort of toward the end of his career too. So, and then the the Raptors one with Gasol. Now, Gasol, like, a much headier player, obviously, than than DeAndre Jordan. So, um, Spike, do you find yourself trapped in confirmation bias when it comes to Ben Simmons? Although I agree with some of your thoughts on Simmons, I'm also aware that we tend to seek out information that confirms our developing or developed beliefs. Um, I think absolutely. I, I mean, I think
1: absolutely. and And it happens to me also about a ton of other things. Like... Michael Porter Jr., for example, and maybe Jason Tatum, and maybe Brandon Ingram.
0: I think uh, those kinds of I, things. Can I say though, real quick, like I think if you read what I write in long form about Simmons, as opposed to like looking at a tweet, which a lot of times is, you know, during a game or for effect or or whatever. I think there's differences. I don't think he's bad. Like I, I've never said that I think he's bad. I my. My position on Simmons has been like the team needs an a playmaker on the outside, and he is their best path to getting it. and i don't I don't think he specifically complements their best player in a way that they need to. and that's it. and and I'm frustrated with his lack of development over four years. and like that's it. I don't i I don't know what people like what do you think I think of Simmons? I guess that's my question. I think you get backed into a corner and your opinions get. And you,
1: then you want it, to. You go back and forth, I think, between like feeling genuinely, like you just said, and then wanting to troll people. And I think that, that when you get back into a corner and, and everyone like chooses sides, then it becomes sure. a confirmation bias sort of thing. I do I, think I that be, between, between Shake and a 90% shooting Seth Curry, they do have almost enough. Mm. to to be enough uh plus a plus a good looking tobias under the wor- in in a you know unique scenario where joel and is the best player on a championship team you know like in, in a world where those guys had to be your best player perimeter creation i don't think that that's there but in a world where it's like hey and beat is this guy and so you just have to have enough guys that can create on their own and between you can't count on maxi in the playoffs but i think between a little bit of maxi a ton of shake, Seth looking really good, and Tobias looking like this with shooting around him. I, it's, I, I think it's close. I think I think it could be it could be close. And who knows? Like Got to play a lot a lot more tougher teams and get in a seven yeah, game series with seven. any with any of these guys. When, you know, they'll shut they'll shut down some, some of MB's easiest stuff will get shut down. Some of you know Shake will get pushed around, or or Maxi will get become unplayable because they're just begging him to shoot and he's not there yet, or. What, you know they're cutting off tobias's left which he's like he likes to go to like those kinds of things like but i i think it's i think there's i i'm closing in on thinking that there's almost enough and if it's a hot shooting series then i think then i think it's possible
0: yeah i don't i don't think there's enough but uh, and the last thing i'll say about simmons is i i do think that the the opposite version of me the the version that popped up that was like you know what shooting is actually like not really a thing. And he is actually better on offense. It drove me. It drives me so insane because it's so crazy to think that shooting a basketball is not like an important thing in basketball that it is. It's frustrating to me. So I don't think I look for confirmation bias any more than anybody else does, though I'm sure I do in this as well. But I, I do think that my actual thoughts on Ben Simmons are pretty reasonable. And I don't I'll say this. I've never said anything on the podcast about a Sixers player that I do not actually believe. You know, I've said things that obviously I think um, it's obvious when I'm kidding or not kidding, but none of this is like some sort of bit or act, I would say. Um, And he says, finally, The Grinder was my favorite show, and I was upset when it was dismissed mistakenly. That's nice. Yeah.
1: Uh, Young Rock premiering. How about that? Yeah. Yeah, when's that? Young Rock coming to NBC's on, or NBC, NBC's. Uh, NBC's, you're really from Philly. For that, for that one thing. Uh, Young Rock coming to NBC on uh, February 16th mm. at 8 p.m. Ooh. Uh, what night of good, the week is that? A good time slot. February 16th is uh, uh, Tuesday. Tuesday, okay. February 16th at 8 p.m. Young Rock, there's some, there's some Bethlehem in there. Mm-hmm. There's some um, University of Miami in there. There's a lot of wrestling, obviously. Um, it's a fun show. It's a very unique show. It's not It's not like any other uh, network comedy
0: that, that I've ever been a part of or seen, really. Bethlehem PA or Bethlehem, like PA. Bethlehem? A. Bethlehem PA. Oh, okay. I believe if you're from there, you, you call it Bethlehem. Like, you, you take away a consonant, but... I've um, never heard of that. And yeah, I think so. Well, maybe I'm sure there's somebody who lessons this from there. All right, this is from Matthew. Uh, Hi, Spike and Mike. First-time mailbag emailer, long-time listener, and fly-the-process Indiana participant. I think I figured out the recent issues with Ben Simmons. It's his shoes. Those yellow shoes that he's worn the last few games are atrocious. They aren't the cool Korkmaz brighter yellow shoes that objectively make him significantly better, but are basically a rotten banana color. Someone needs to tell him to stop wearing those god-awful shoes and get some fashion help. Um, here comes my basketball question: Which Sixer, current or process, had the best shoes and could lend a pair to Simmons? It's the least that we could do uh, to stop watching Rotten Banana Ben. I'm not a shoe guy. Who's the? I mean, Tony Roten had was a shoe guy. Who, as a Sixer, had the best shoes? Are you a shoe guy to know? Not a shoe you know, guy. Too? Yeah, uh,
1: I do love the Corkmaz yellows. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't care. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, this is my jersey yeah. take again. I don't uh, oh, I think they all sometimes, look good. I think sometimes, like, some colors are, like, too loud that it's just, it just becomes distracting on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mostly, yeah, I mostly don't care.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I almost, when, <laughs> when sneakers come out and everyone on the Internet's like, ooh, I can't wait to get those, or ooh, what are those? I don't know the difference. Like I don't know. I don't know why they like certain shoes and they don't like other shoes. Non-basketball question. I have to know your worst roommate story. I recently moved back into college and my roommates this semester are something special. They've purposely sparked the fire alarm at two AM, left me quote, presents when I'm away. Uh, and if I have anything important to do and have to get somewhere, I don't know what that means. I'm sure you both have some pretty great roommate stories that are much worse than mine. I'm excited to hear them. I, I know of one bad one for me. Do you have any roommate stories, bad roommate stories? Uh,
1: obviously, living with Andrew Sharp was a nightmare. Terrible. Front to yeah. back. No, I, I love Sharp. That was a great year. I lived in New York for a summer um, while I was interning in college. And I lived in n y u dorm housing um and like freshman dorm housing, so it was me and two other guys that they both went to Syracuse I didn't know them mm-hmm. uh they were the year younger than me, and uh it was the hottest summer in at that time in like New York history, and so it was just we were just like not you know. They were naked all the time. Just like it was very. Bro- they they were in like a frat. I'm not a frat guy at all. I've never been to a frat party, um, and so it was like a lot of very a lot of broy uh, stuff mixed like broy finance stuff. Oh. and then I I came to like them in like a uh, anthropological way because they're so uh, different than me, um, and then. Like you were in I, a zoo, like you were like living in a zoo. A little bit a like zoo. I was in a zoo, and uh, and I, I the next the semester after that, after I was only there, for, I only lived with them for like two months and stuff. That was, was I was like taking it was so hot, I was taking cold showers, uh, just because it felt good. And my mm-hmm. I had friends that came up and they were like, "This is it was it was it was it was like a tenth floor. It was impossible to live. It was unlivable conditions. One bathroom, three guys, small small dorm room, um, and." Uh, the semester after that in college was the semester I went to the Ithaca Los Angeles program, uh, my, my first semester of senior year, and uh, I wrote this uh, script about, I, I wrote this script that was like fake. It was not based on, it was just the two characters were based on them and I put these two characters in a uh, heightened environment um, mm-hmm. uh, where they may have accidentally killed someone. <laughs> And I thought I used their first names, not their last names. I used their first names and had them like say some things that they would have said to each other. And I'm sure it was terrible because I was a college kid. I don't know how to write at that point. Um, But I sent it to them. I was like, hey, you guys are going to think this is so funny. I use the script that I have for this class. I'm going to use it, whatever. And I use whatever. And they they called me so pissed off. (laughs) and saying that their dads are lawyers and they're both going to sue me, and just, like, screaming at me. And the thing I remember very... Like, it's really buried in there, is that they kept saying, we thought you were our boy. Just, like, over and over again. Like, we thought you were... We were boys. Like, we thought you were our boy. And you go ahead and do this and make us look like idiots. like Like, we killed someone? And it's really... It was so... I was... I was like, guys, it's, I, it, this didn't happen. It's a, it's a script, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I think they might have texted me the next morning saying like, they were so high and they didn't understand. They thought that I was like, make, whatever it was. And I was just like, it's. I, I haven't talked to them since. So,
0: Wow. Shout out to those um, guys. Shout out to Mark and Taylor. So I got, I mean, I feel like I have a lot of them. You know, my funniest one is I got, I lived with, my friend, uh, Nick, who actually, uh, I I think Nick listens or he occasionally listens. Um, Nick is a, like a big late night TV exec now, but he left, he went to London for second semester. So I got this random roommate that I didn't know. His name was Ed and Ed and I didn't talk for three months at one period because of a, I don't even think we disagreed out loud, but it was a silent argument over whose dishes were in the sink and neither of us would clean them. Um, That was funny, that wasn't that bad. My worst roommate was my freshman year, I went to Southern Cal, but then I transferred to Syracuse. I didn't know anybody at Syracuse. And I got one of these dorm rooms that was like a suite. So it was four people, it was three rooms. It was like a bedroom, a bedroom, and then a central room. And they were from central New York State, which may have well have been like Alabama or Arkansas. Like the central New York State, there's a lot of, you know, they think they're from the south. Um, So Daryl and I forget the other two guys' names. And the first day I moved in, they asked me if they could hang a Confederate flag in the common room and seemed surprised when I said that I was uncomfortable with it. Hang on a second. Um, You think that? You'd be uncomfortable
1: with that? You think that's not a cool look? That's not the what? image you want to be <laughs> no. pushing forward to other people in college? No. Hey, I'm the new guy. Uh, here's my Confederate flag. Yeah, what's wrong? I mean, you know, you're meeting new people. Yeah. You're either, you know. oh, no, that's my, I just, I just, like, accepted my roommate's Confederate flag. It's not my conf- <laughs> I'm just, like, cool with it. Is that different?
0: Yeah. And then... So then the guy that I lived, the guy that I had the bedroom with was this guy, Daryl. And Daryl was apparently like really smart in high school, valedictorian. But this was, man, this is going to really date me. But this was at the time when you got on the internet dial up and you would get these AOL CDs and they would give you like 30 free hours. But it would take forever to download things. So Daryl would repeatedly sign up for AOL so he could download he would stay up all night downloading like three porn pictures. <laughs> and and he was out porn of college like pictures? the next year. Like straight up images. Well, or like or like a four-second video dude down, <laughs> downloading shit at the time like took forever yeah, for sure you know? for sure
1: I just the idea of doing it for a picture is really funny
0: to me. <laughs> He would I would wake up in the middle of the night and there would be Daryl in front of his computer. like it would be dark, but the light would be on <laughs> Daryl's face and then I think he was gone from college the Too, I mean he got addicted to those four seconds of porn. Yep uh, two more quick ones uh, first from Adam, hey, Spike and Mike, I'm watching the Heat game, and I'm wondering if you think there's a guy in the league that everyone knows stinks. I'm talking about actual body odor. It's just league-wide knowledge that the dude is stinky. Me and my boy Max think it has to be Kelly Olinick. Uh, also, he has a pencil-thin headband. There's a Colangelo joke in there somewhere. Uh, thanks for weighing in. Do you have any? The, I, have a, I the thought Linux about headband
1: this. is really tough. Yeah,
0: You've is. You've been in the league a long time.
1: Like, there's, there's guys that don't care about style. Mm-hmm. There's guys that are just like you know Brad Wanamaker is not he's still wearing the like you know pit 2008 shorts like and that's yeah. fine like I respect I really respect that, but like you, what Kelly Olynyk is doing is a choice, and
0: someone <laughs> needs to make him stop choosing it. My choice for smelliest guy is I think Marcus all probably just like always just kind of not that he doesn't just always has like. Sweaty bo kind of thing going on. He's just like a a big guy. Big guy, big guy for
1: sure. Yeah, could be. You, I would. I would. I'm not gonna make a guess because I think it's. I don't want to be mean. Too mean. Okay. Yeah. I. I would like to know though. I think that there should yeah. be a, an expose about it. Do
0: you want me to?
1: I can. I'm gonna ask a couple of people. I certainly could get the. I the want there to be Out like there. a. I want a Kevin Arnovitz like
0: smell, <laughs> like smell Long read it's like the smells of the league. Maybe an off-season pod. He can come on, break down the smells. And nice. finally, from Kyler, Doc Rivers is known as an offensive-minded coach, yet it seems like Ben Simmons has actually taken a step back offensively when other players on the team have improved. Simmons is currently the fifth-highest-scoring player on the team and barely scores more than maxies, field goal attempts, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, what are other ways Doc could utilize him offensively that would maximize his current skill set?
1: There, there was a... I forget where I saw this. There was some quote where Doc said, like, there's a lot of things we've tried with Ben. We're using him everywhere, but there's some things that in we haven't even tried it in the game yet. And so maybe there's other ways to use him. I, I honestly think it's not anything Doc could do or is doing yeah. or whatever it is. I think it's more of a reflection on, like, hey, there's guys on the team now that want the ball in their hands and that can do some things with the ball in their hands, which, which hadn't been the, been the case as much in, in previous years. Yeah, and he um, was the
0: default guy. Ben was the... You know the guy that would get the ball, and now yeah. there's there's better options sometimes. And yeah. so
1: for for me, it's like, it's going to take Ben in the off season, like deciding to, you know, have moves that get him to the basket, or have moves that get him, not just through like speed and attacking a closeout or or before the defense is set type of thing. It's going to be like I can do if it is a post move, like then fine, like then have have post moves, have face up moves, have the ability to like, you know. Curl around a screen and attack downhill, whatever it is. But it's just—it seems like there's too many. There are not like, there are not. Aside from that little hook shot, which he did more as a rookie and, and only sometimes does now, he had, he took a shot, he took a little hook shot tonight with his right hand and it didn't go in. Um, but he has decently soft touch on it. Um, there's not a move that he has that you can like claim is like that's that's consistent. Like even Tobias, it's like he has that he has those little spots on the court that he that he can pull up from. He has those like if he goes to his left, he he has a really nice like I'm gonna hit it like kiss it off this side of the uh, off the glass at this angle, and it feels really good, like it just. But Ben just doesn't have that on the offensive end, um, and he and he should get it. And I think that'll take an offseason of him like really deciding like okay, my I'm he's a good player. He made all he made all NBA. Uh, he's an all all league defensive player. He can drive and kick all he wants, but it. Teams have adjusted to him, and it would be nice if he goes like, okay, if I'm going to take the next step, then I'm going to need to develop like these mm-hmm. kinds of like counters. And right now he doesn't have any. He just he does he drives into contact and either stops or gets called for offensive fouls, which he has done uh, the past couple of games.
0: Yeah, I don't think like I I had never known what Doc Rivers' reputation was as a blank kind of coach. I always thought he was sort of like a. You know, even those Celtics teams, because I was looking at them, the one that won the championship, which had Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, and Kevin Garnett on it, was 11th in offense in the NBA. And I'm sure they had great offenses when he was with the Clippers, but he also had Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and J.J. Redick on the same team, you know. So um, I I do think that there is a little bit of what's going on now, and you can look at Brett and go like, okay, well, maybe the Ben thing wasn't always Brett like there was there's definitely Ben has to take some sort of responsibility for that yeah I think I think if Ben allows Doc to move him around and try these things I think they will they will find more things that will work for him so I think he
1: is I think he is he seems willing to do it and there's a lot of times when I've noticed that Ben is cutting harder especially down the lane this year than he has in the past Um, and I just think that the Sixers don't have enough like great passers like Embiid's become a good passer from the post but he doesn't have crazy vision there. Shake is a pretty functional passer. Tyrese has mm-hmm. the ability to do some of that um and and find guys in in little sneaky windows. Ben is clearly the best passer on this team by a lot. Um and I think if there if there was a, you know, if if Lonzo was on the team, there's a lot of times where there's alley oops to Ben or ro- rolls to Ben that are open that Tobias or Danny or whatever are just not capable of seeing that before it happens and aren't making that pass. Where maybe over the course of the season they will start making it because they'll know it's there more and they'll be able to trust each other and build build like that kind of understanding. But I think this team is is missing the um, missing that part of it that would give it. Um, Every, like, make it easier on them
0: and get those looks. So we have Boston on Friday night. This is the part of the pod where I don't know what the schedule is. We have Boston on Friday night and then Pistons on Saturday night. Um, well, at least we got this one from Boston before Friday. Do, Let's take I, both. Why not? Do you know, I, I haven't heard anything about Tatum. It, it seems like timing-wise he should be able to be back by Friday, but who knows sure. yeah, because know. he's been... You know, theoretically, he hasn't been running around or doing anything, which yeah. is why.
1: But theoretically, um, we have Seth back because he, he he was right? cleared,
0: but I think so rightfully thing. so they were.
1: You know, his conditioning is not all the way yeah. there, and who knows if there's any lingering effects and all that stuff. So hopefully, he is. Uh, he doesn't have any uh, bad effects, but I'm I'm glad they gave him tonight to just like chill, and they got the win because of it. I think it's a good, it's nice,
0: feeling good, positivity, yeah. positive. There it is, precaution a happy pod. Love we will it. talk to you Sunday morning after the Pistons game. Another back-to-back. Love it. Um, talk to you this weekend. Are you done with TTP? Yeah. You No. Like this If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you.
1: If you don't fuck with me,
0: then I won't fuck with you. <laughs> If you don't fuck with me... Then I, 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 I won't fuck, fuck you. with you. But if you fuck with me... I'm gonna yeah. fucking kill you! That's for plan